0: Good morning, uh, we are going to start with singing 10,000 Reasons. The words will not be on the screen today, uh, but they are in your bulletin, so just try to follow along as best you can, because it's we'll, we'll worship together. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Heather, for leading us into worship. What a beautiful song. 10,000 reasons. I think we could, if we could start counting that far, and uh, I think we'd run out of time. Thank you again. Good morning, and welcome to this morning's church service. The uh, surroundings are a little bit different than we're, we, what we're used to, but. Uh, you know, we're getting, going to get some spiritual food this morning, and we're also going to get some physical food. God has created it all. But aren't we blessed to have Mennonite cooks who can mix it together and t- make it taste like something? Just the other day, my gran- my daughter was talking about uh, grandma's noodle soup. Well, if I say my mom made the best noodle soup, I think I'd get an argument. From some of you. But you know, if you'd ask my mom for the recipe, she'd say, Nam baitfundit and baitfundot. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. But it always tasted fantastic. So welcome to all who are part of this service in whatever way you are tuning in. Because of God's promise, we know that his spirit is here with us. He will lead us, he will guide us. And you know, we are a very, very small part of the world's population that is blessed to be able to worship like this. If you think of all those people in countries where, well, I'll say it bluntly, Satan is worshiped as opposed to God, there is no church service like this. So we so often take it for granted, right? We take it for granted. Anyway, this morning I'd like to share something a little bit different and unique that my wife and I experienced this summer. Over, over a period of a number of weeks, uh, we attended seven funerals. Most of them were younger than we are. So that uh, gives, gave us a feeling of mortality. But anyway, in a rather short period of time, seven people passed away. The quartet that I was part of at the time sang at four of them. Some of them were older, some of them were younger. But listening to their life stories was such an incredible blessing. And we enjoyed a funeral. Well, that doesn't sound quite right to enjoy a funeral, right? Doesn't sound quite right. But anyway, we did. And I'm going to share a little bit. We were at uh, Bill Claussen's funeral, and we lived in Blumenfeld at the time when Bill was a teenager, and the Bethel Brookteller Mennonite Church was started in 1964. And Bill didn't know where to go to church, so somebody said, well, why don't you come to Bethel? And he did. And Bill became a very strong and active member in that church right to his death. And Bill had a way of solving problems. We had a problem with one of our missionaries. His car gave out, and he wanted the church to buy him a new car, or a car at least. And of course, you know how church meetings can go, or don't they do that way here? Uh, This, uh, yeah, we can't, but, uh, yeah, but, yeah, but. Finally, Bill got up, pulled out his wallet pulled out a $100 bill and said, if each of us throws in a $100, the missionary has his car. Now, that was Bill's way of solving a problem. Then we attended the funeral of Margaret Peters Suderman. Margaret grew up in the village of Rhineland, where I grew up. And as was the case with many of us, we got married and we moved away from Rhineland. Margaret got married to Henry Suderman, And I lost track of both of them. And um, uh, Henry was from Green Farm. At the funeral, I found out that Margaret had taken some extra courses at Red River Community College. I think she finished maybe grade 8 or maybe grade 10 in Rhineland. And to get some training or some insight into what it meant to be a job as a secretary or a receptionist, And you know that Margaret, for 22 years, was the secretary and receptionist at a Greek Orthodox Church. Not that she was a member there, but she served that church in a marvelous way. God's ways and God's plans are awesome. And this is true of each one of us. We all have a story to tell of God's leading. And at one of the, or at the funeral, one of the pastors read Revelations 21. Well, I've read that many a time, but for some reason it just hit me that morning. And I'm going to read a few verses out of Revelations 21. And I thought, and when when I heard these words, I looked at my wife and said, wow. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. the beginning and the end I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son let's pray father I thank you that we have something awesome awaiting us and all doubt and all fear And all persecution will disappear and we are looking forward to that time when you shall make all things new father would you bless us this morning's worship service and may we all be enriched as we depart from here later on thank you lord in jesus name amen heather you got some more songs
0: If you are able, I would invite you to stand for the next two songs that we're going to sing. We'll sing How Great Is Our God and then we'll sing Holy Forever. They'll both be in the middle of that insert in your bulletin. (laughs) The generation To sing the song of ages to the Lamb And all who gone before us And all who will believe Will sing the song of ages to the Lamb Your name is the highest Your name is the highest Your name is the greatest Your name again. I'm You can
1: be seated. Well, let's take a look at our announcements. And of course, you've all read them, so maybe I don't need to read all of them. Um, first of all, Pastor Victor and Lucas Fraze are serving at Evergreen this morning. Victor sent me a message, a text yesterday to remind the church that he's not skipping out uh, this week at winkler uh a women's prayer meeting, church council, men's prayer time, Bible study, discovery group one and two, and on Thursday youth at Vic and Eileen's. Some of these you'll, you're going to have to get up before breakfast. Um, then we are looking for cookie bakers to contribute to our Sunday School Youth Christmas concert on December the 10th. Contact Eileen, and you have the phone number there. Um, The church is also looking for PA operators, and many of us, and I'm sure, don't know what that means, don't know which knob to turn and which button to press, Um, but I'm sure the present guys would be willing to teach us, right? edwin or whoever looks after the sound quarterly membership meeting on november the 28th at 7 p.m and then deacon election george elias has let his name stand the election will take place at our membership meeting on november 28th please pray for george and the church then we have a list of people with health needs and i'd like to add my wife's sister, Eva, Eva Petkow, many of you will know her. She also grew up in Schoenwieser, where my wife grew up. And uh, Eva has been in the hospital now for the better part of a, well, I'd say over a month. And uh, it's simply a deterioration of health. And I don't think uh, the hospital can accommodate her very much longer. And so the family will have to make a decision about where to place her and that is going to be a difficult issue so pray for eva and albert and then we have helena falk is at boundary trails prairie view lodge we have hilda ham swan lake mary duick and john suderman manitou care home abe friesen and birthdays and anniversaries always something to celebrate Uh, Instead of having the prayer now, I'm going to ask for the mission spot, and then we'll have the prayer after as well as the offering, okay? Wow, what a terrific testimony. I could almost hear one of my kids up there, our oldest son and our youngest daughter, after high school, spent a couple of years each with uh, Youth with a Mission, Ron, in... uh, Ontario, and then he traveled all over the world, literally. And Tanya took a youth with a mission in Texas, and also traveled far and wide. And now it's the next generation. Tanya's oldest son Zach spent some time with youth with a mission in Mexico. As a matter of fact, he received baptism in Mexico. And now their middle son Cohen is in Norway with Youth with a Mission, and was baptized there. He sent us a picture of him standing in a lake, ready to receive or right after baptism. And their youngest son was baptized in Ontario just last week. So we're excited. Okay, let's go to prayer, and I'd ask the ushers to come forward. Father, we are so grateful that you have placed us in this land of Canada, where we have freedoms that most people in the world do not enjoy, Father this morning, we pray especially for those missionaries who have gone out to spread the good news throughout the world. We have a number of them from this church, and would your word go forward and bring bring many into the fold? We also pray for those pardon me, we pray for those who are in a health care facility or in a hospital and would you take care of their needs and thank you for the workers that have the compassion and the concern for them that are taking care of them so father just continue to bless us as a fellowship may we remain uncompromised in believing your word and living it out because we know we have a future ahead of us that is way better than anything we can ever imagine. So provide for our needs as you have in the past. Keep us safe. And now I pray that uh, the offering that is going to be received may be multiplied and reach out far and wide. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: scripture reading is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 to 15. And now brothers we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entire, entirely on their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us see that you also excel in this grace of giving I am not commanding you but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich and here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter Last year, you were, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be re- relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. 2 Corinthians
3: is filled with a lot of instructions and a lot of encouragement. Matter of fact, there is something for everyone in Corinthians. It was a church that had many problems, and yet it was a church where the Apostle Paul encouraged them and where we can receive encouragement. As we look at chapters 8 and 9 the next um, couple of weeks, here is the background to help us understand what is happening in this portion of Scripture. The Apostle Paul addresses the issues of giving to the saints who were suffering at this time. Now, according to the King James Version Study Bible, it states this, some of the background that we can understand, but the problem facing the church at this time was especially acute. On March 23rd, 37 AD, in the reign of Kaleos, there occurred a great earthquake. It was followed by another reign of Claudius, accompanied by a widespread crop failure. The Christians, the poorest of all, had their source of help in the Church of Antioch. Acabus the prophet, had announced a famine at hand in Acts chapter 11, verse 28, and the fellow and the fellowship determined to send relief. Saul and Barnabas were chosen to take contributions to the elders at Jerusalem. Acts chapter 11 verse 30, and a few years later, at the Council of Jerusalem in 50 AD, a special plea was added to the decree, close quote. In Jerusalem, the saints were going through a period of severe poverty. The Corinthian church desired and planned to help these saints, and they were the first to pledge their allegiance. But for some reason, they were unable to complete the task that they had set out to do. So now Paul begins to encourage them to fulfill their goal. He does this by holding up the churches from the province of Macedonian as examples. These various churches gave sacrificially beyond their ability to give in order that the saints in Jerusalem would be sufficient and would have enough. It costs them dearly in order to give, and once again, this is the church that the Apostle Paul is holding up before the Corinthians, showing how they ought to also give. This morning, we want to discover the three reasons why generous generosity is the key to living. Three reasons why generosity is the key to living first. Generosity is the key to living because joy flows through generosity. Joy flows through generosity, verses 1 through 7. In the first three verses, Paul uses the Macedonian churches as an example of how one ought to give. If you're going to give, you ought to give this way. He says in verses 1 through 3, let me read those three verses once more so that we get a clearer understanding. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They gave beyond their ability. I want you to think about that for a moment. In other words, they probably gave whatever they could and even beyond sacrificing what they needed to live on themselves. The Macedonian church were going through not just a trial of poverty, but a severe trial. These churches lacked life-sustaining resources such as food, clothing, and shelter. Yet despite their extreme poverty, they found their heart overflowing with joy as they gave with generosity because others were suffering even beyond them, which was the church at Jerusalem. Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary defines generosity by stating this, generosity is as liberty in spirit, especially in contributing to the needy. Christian giving should be a matter of generosity and not as obligations. Close quote. So Paul is pointing out to the Corinthians the generosity of the Macedonian churches in the way that they gave in Jerusalem and that now they should follow that. Now one would think that Paul would say to a church themselves that were struggling, he would discourage them, you'd think, from giving. But he doesn't. He encourages them. He doesn't. Instead, he holds them up as an example to follow. Larry K. Kaiser in Christianity Today says this, the joy of sacrificial giving to the Lord's work is one value easily lost in this prosperous society that we live. We lose that somehow. I regularly saw my parents, he says, give beyond what was comfortable for them. I don't know how frequently my children see me give sacrificially to God's kingdom. And Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 tells us to honor the Lord with our substance. We normally give to God from our surplus, but he desires our substance. There is a difference between surplus and substance. The joy, there is joy in giving when we hardly have enough because it releases our faith. In other words, if we obey God and give even when it hurts, He has promised that He will provide each and every one of our needs. Nothing is more significant than seeing God work in our midst when we have given sacrificially. Think about this. God has given to you and me everything because he was concerned for us. He gave us his son, which cost him everything, when in fact we give back to God our surplus. Two friends were walking down the street one day, and one said to the other, when I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to be asking God is why he allowed all that suffering to take place. And his other friend said to him, I wouldn't do that if I were you, because God's going to ask you, what did you do with the gifts and talents that I gave you to reduce the suffering upon the earth when you were there? How much do we do to reduce the sufferings of others? Do we look where other people are in need? Do we go out and help them? Is it our concern? Or do we just think of ourselves and make sure that we have enough for us? Now we come to the second reason why generosity is the key to living is because, number two, because Jesus sent Set forth the ultimate example. Jesus set the ultimate example before us, verses 8 and 9. When the Bible talks about giving, it's always in light of sacrificing. It is in light of sacrificing. If we give something to get rid of something, then it's really not charitable giving. If it's just our surplus, just, well, it's even a bother to us, so we give it to someone else. And we might think, oh, we're helping them so much but has it cost us anything, or do we just give because it's our surplus, or we give even when it hurts? We give of our best. We give what God has given us. Paul states in verse 8 and 9, I am not commanding you, and that's important. I'm not commanding you, he says, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. That is so true, because he gave everything. Paul is not commanding the Corinthians to give because it needs to come out of a willing heart of love. Giving must come out of a willing heart of love. If one is forced, shamed, manipulated, coerced to give, then it's from the wrong motive. It's from the wrong attitude. God always looks at the heart because our actions may be saying something different. We can give and look like we're giving, but it's not coming from the heart. God loves a cheerful giver and not a grudging giver. If we give grudgingly because we think we have to there is no joy, there is no contentment in our heart. It's an act we're forced to do, and we may hate it. Sometimes we're forced to do it because we want to look okay in people's other eyes. But we don't give to people, we give to God. The ultimate example of giving is what God the Father did on our behalf. With God's wealth, power, and knowledge, You would think that he would have made another avenue back for sinful man to come into a relationship with himself when man walked away. There must have been some other way that God could have brought man back. He's all powerful. Why didn't he provide something else? Why would he have sacrificed his son? Because there was no other way. God could have given all his wealth and everything but that could not purchase our salvation and pay for our sin. He gave his one and only. He did not give from his surplus. He gave of himself. How many of us this morning would be willing to sacrifice our child to put them to death for some criminal? How many of us would put, there'd be someone ready to die And how many would us sacrifice our child for someone else? I doubt it. I doubt it. And yet that's what God did for us in order to redeem us. He gave the ultimate. He gave his best. He gave his one and only Christ had to leave the splendors of heaven, where there was no sin, pain, suffering, death, sorrow or sadness. He lived in, perf- in a perfect paradise over which he was the creator and ruler. And Philippians chapter two verse eight says this, "And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death." On the cross, the worst kind of death that one could experience. So, in verse 9, Paul holds up Jesus as an example of how we are called to give. When we give, we should not just give our surplus, but our substance. That is what giving generously means it's giving beyond just the things that we have. It's giving of ourselves. Kathy Gebhardt in The Christian Reader tells this story. My three-year-old son helped me with the community toy drive. First, he cleaned out his toy box, then helped fix defective items and collected donations for kids that don't have anything to play with when Christmas Day come came. And yet, when Christmas Day did come, Timmy received his much-wanted Sesame Street playhouse. After playing with it all day, I found him rewrapping it. When I asked him what he was doing, he said, I want to give this to one of the kids that don't have anything to play with. Because if I didn't have any toys, this is what I would want." Close quote. Wow, this child, at such a young age, already understood the heart of God and what it means to give. At this young age, he was not giving from his surplus because he already collected surplus to give. Now he was giving from his sustenance. He was giving what he would have wanted And what he needed at the time. He gave of his best. Now we come to the last point of the message. Generosity is the key to living. Number three, because it takes place in a willing heart. It takes place in a willing heart. The heart has got to be wailing. The desire needs to be there. Verses 10 through 15. Let me read just 10 through 12 for you once again. And here is my advice about giving what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. I want to point that out one more time. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. God never asks us to give something we do not have. But what we do have, we can give to God. What we do have is not ours in the beginning because it was first given to us. We own nothing. We have nothing, including our bodies, including ourselves. And as believers, we have been bought with a price, not of gold, not of silver, not of precious stones, but with a price, the price of God himself. Of all the churches Paul planted, the church at Corinth had the most problems. I had pointed this out last week and the weeks before. Therefore, we often overlook some of the outstanding qualities of this Corinthian church. And one of the outstanding qualities of this church is that they had a willing heart to give to the Lord's work. They had a willing heart to give to the Lord's work. There are always two things in giving generosity. And here are the two things if it is in our heart and we don't follow through, it means nothing. Because there is no fruitation or action. It's just nice thinking. It's nice intentions. And nice intentions don't get us anywhere if they're just intentions and we leave them set. If we give grudgingly, there may be action and fruitation, but it means nothing because it isn't given out of a heart of joy or love. We just give because we gotta give, and I'll do my part, and I'll just get it over with. And there is no joy, there is no love in this type of giving. The heart and the performance, the heart, which is wanting to give, and the performance must be married together. There's gotta be a marriage between the two. And when the heart is right, and the gift is given, it pleases the Lord, and it's acceptable to him. This is what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church in, in verses 10b and, uh, through 11. 10b and 11. He said, last year you were the first not only to give but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Once again, the marriage of the heart and the actions have come together to serve and to give to the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Who is more excited when the gifts are opened on Christmas Day. Who's more excited when the gifts are open at Christmas Day? Is it the children, or is it the parents and the grandparents, as they watch in joy their kids open it up? When they're young, they open up and there is joy and squealing in their hearts, and our hearts rejoice. When they get older, many times it is something that they need. Whether they're going through college or maybe they're starting work and they don't have something that they absolutely need, then it is the joy of a parent, the joy of a grandparent. In order to give, to know that you're providing. I remember when I was going through college and seminary, my dad provided for me often. Not the things that I wanted, but he was willing to give whatever it took to make sure that I was safe. And when I had to drive 300 miles somewhere, my dad would say to me, your battery is not very good. You need a new battery. He knew I didn't have the money. He bought the battery and he put it in the vehicle for me. Because my dad loved me, and I loved my dad, and I'm thankful for his love towards me. But that's just one example of the things that he gave me. When you love someone, you will give. You will give when the need is there, even if it costs you. And that's how God calls us to give to him. There is a cost, and it will cost us as soon as the Corinthians heard that the saints in Jerusalem were suffering financially and were in poverty, they were the first church to make their pledge and begin to help. They could not finish the task for some reason. Whatever that reason was, it is not said. And now Paul encourages them to follow through and to continue to give. Paul sums it up clearly in verses 13 and 14 as to why they were to finish the task that they had set out to do. Listen again as I read verses 13 through 15. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. It is written, he who gathers much did not have too much and he who gathers little did not have too little Once again, in that last verse that I just read, Paul goes back into the Old Testament, draws from the time when the children of Israel were walking through the desert on the way to the Promised Land. And they didn't have enough food, and God provided manna. And as He provided manna, He told them to go out and to collect it. And those who gathered much didn't have any more who gathered little because God was providing each step of the way. And as God provided, he made sure that their needs were always met. Paul was not suggesting that the Corinthians should give so that they should do without while the church in Jerusalem would live in pleasure and ease. Not at all, because they were suffering at this time. Instead, God had blessed this Gentile church with plenty. He did, because they had plenty. Now they could give to the church in Jerusalem, which was suffering so much. In the same way, from the spiritual side, this is what Jerusalem church did for the Gentiles when they sent Paul as a missionary out. And the apostle Paul went to preach the gospel. And guess what? Their lives were transformed and changed through Jesus Christ. In both cases, there is giving that takes place. First, Jerusalem by proclaiming the gospel to the Corinthians, and their lives were transformed. They had eternal life now. And the second, the giving of material possessions that sustained the physical life because now the Corinthian church was giving to the Jerusalem church when they were stricken with poverty. So Paul encouraged them to give so that no one in the whole body would suffer. Indeed, this is the picture of what God desires for his church today. He wants us to learn to give generously and sacrificially, so that the whole body will be ministered to. In his book, run with horses, Eugene Eugene Peterson tells how he saw a family of birds teaching their young to fly. Three swallows were perched on a branch that stretched over a lake. One adult swallow got alongside of the chick, began to push that little chick off to the side, over farther and farther and farther, and finally, the chick fell over and into the water. It looked like it was going four feet down, but before it hit the water, its wings opened, and it flew. The second one took place the same way. As this little chick was pushed on uh, uh, down the way, he did the same, and then the third came. This one was not going to be bullied, this little chick. And he thought to himself he was going to hang on. He did hang on. And as um, Eugene Peterson said as he was watching this, this chick hang, hung on so tight that when he was pushed, he simply went over the side and kept on hanging on upside down. And he was not going to let go. Finally, the one adult began to peck its little talons OVER AND OVER AGAIN, AND ONE BY ONE THEY LET GO, AND THIS CHICK WENT, AND DOWN HE WENT, BUT HIS sp- his WINGS SPREAD OUT, AND HE BEGAN TO FLY. YES, HE BEGAN TO FLY, BECAUSE THIS IS WHAT SWALLOWS DO. THEY ARE BORN TO FLY. THEY CAN WALK. THEY CAN DO ALL DIFFERENT TYPES OF THINGS, BUT THEY LIVE THE BEST IN THE SKY, WHAT THEY HAVE BEEN done, BORN TO. To do, As believers in Christ, we have been born to give. We give because we have been redeemed. We give we because we have first been given to ourselves. And when we do this because God has given us, we reflect God in what we do, and not only reflect God in what we do, we have joy in the midst because we are doing what God has called us. Flying for these birds is our characteristic action. And not until they fly they are, will they be living their best gracefully and beautifully. And so it is with us. We don't think we can give with generosity, but we can no matter how little we have or how much we have. We can give, we can give because we have first received We are redeemed to give, for that's what the Father has done for us. If we want to live a life of fulfillment and joy, it will only come as we live generosity. Generosity is the key to living. Number one, as I said, because joy flows through a generosity. Number two, generosity is the key to living because Jesus set forth the ultimate example he gave of himself sacrificially and to us. And then third, generosity is the key to living because it takes place in a willing heart. It happens there, but brings but it comes to fruitation in what we do. And when we give back, and as I said before, the heart and the actions are married together. It brings glory to God and brings joy within our hearts. My challenge is, is that we give to the Lord because we want to give back because God first gave to us.
0: The last song that we'll sing this morning is His Mercy is More.
3: please bow your heads with me our gracious loving Heavenly Father as we pause before you to give thanks for all the blessings that you have poured upon our lives what a privileged people we are to live in a land such as Canada a province such as Manitoba a community such as Winkler you have blessed us beyond all measure it is not of ourselves that we have prosperity if you were not in it, there would be no prosperity. Heavenly Father, help us to realize because you have given so much, we, have given, we can give back to you. Today we're about to eat. And Lord, we pray and ask you to bless the food, and yet many people around the world are praying for their food. What a privilege we have that our meals are set before us. And yet there are people here in this community that don't have their next meal. Help us to look up and look around and see where we can help and we can minister to those who are less fortunate for whatever reason it may be. And Heavenly Father, help us to leave this building after we fellowship together to go out and to realize that we have the opportunity to share with other individuals of your love, of your kindness, of your bountifulness that you have supplied to us. Now I pray, Father, that you would bless the food that we're about to eat as we fellowship around the table. May the words we say bring honor and glory to you. May it build others up. May it encourage others. May we reflect Christ in all that is said and done. Go with us now, Heavenly Father, and I pray Bless the food. Amen. And the benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.
0: Sing the chorus one more time, maybe.